Closing the books is a manual, air-prone, and time-consuming process. In fact, 82% of accountants find the month-end close to be a negative experience, 78% report having to reopen the books, and 3 out of 4 say they're not confident in their close. Meanwhile, management wants numbers faster than ever, and investor scrutiny on financial reports has only increased. There has to be a better way than email, Excel checklists, and endless status update meetings. Flowcast was built by accountants for accountants to help them close faster and more accurately. It provides a single place to manage the month-end close, aligning people, processes, and documents in one collaborative platform. The bottom line? Teams relying on Flowcast on average close three days faster. Learn more at cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash Flowcast. That's F-L-O-Q-A-S-T. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm Ryan Lozanis. And I'm Megan Lepchik. And we are here at AICPA Engage. Thank you so much, Ryan and Megan, for joining me today. It's awesome to be recording the podcast in person. Yes. It's this, excellent. This is Thank very you cool, for having actually. Us. Yeah, yeah, we're very impressed by the setup you have here. And oh. this this was not planned at all. We were just randomly in a yeah. session together. Yep. Uh, uh, what what was the session we were at? Randy's, Randy, John. Randy Johnson's IT tech update, which is always a crowd pleaser. We enjoy learning all the new tech nuggets of wisdom that I would have never found without him kind of spoon feeding it to the accounting profession. So it's a very cool um, plug for Randy because he ha- does a nice job with that every year. He's been doing it for like 30 years 30 or something, years, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he stays on top of everything. Now, this is the first time I saw it. And um, I basically learned every single tech trend in an hour. So, oh yeah, uh, it's rapid fire, yeah. fire hose of information. Yeah, you have yeah. to check back at the slides to kind of gather everything. But yeah, it's pretty neat. Some of the tech that's coming down the pipe. So we're here at the AICP Engage conference. This is my first year. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, first year also. First year okay. also. Yeah, felt like it was where everybody likes to mingle in the profession. So, and I am very impressed with the quality. Yeah. Of so of, far, it's looking good. It's amazing, uh, and just everyone is here, and of course, it is put on by the AICPA. So I figured this is a great time to ask that question that I don't know about you, but I get this question a lot, Megan, you probably do too, is should I get the CPA? Absolutely. We get that question probably more than most. So I am the chief operating officer of Jaeger CPA Review. So obviously we work with CPA candidates on a daily basis. And at that point, they've typically decided to become CPAs. But even further down, you know, if you're still in school and you're trying to decide what major to do, and what your profession is going to be after you graduate. And it's hard because a lot of folks are looking at the marketplace and saying, hey, it's a lot of work to get that CPA license. And maybe do I really need it? Um, I'm not going to go into public accounting or maybe I want to go into an advisory practice and consult on certain things. So it's, I don't know, the value proposition for young students, I think, is not as much there as it may have been in the past. It used to be everybody. Yeah, I mean, it used to be, you know, I compare it to like the pilots, you know, they go through pilot training, obviously, they're going to get their wings, obviously, they're going to go through the rest to get licensed and get everything they need to be credentialed in the industry. But the CPA has started to not be as desirable by candidates, which obviously is a problem (laughs) for the profession, I think. Do you think the 150 hour rule has something to do with that? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I understand education is great. I, you know, I'm a master of accountancy and I did a five-year program to get that done right away. But for the folks that go out after college, they went into a bunch of debt to be in college and then they go on to do something else, make some money back, pay back their loans. 
going back to school and getting those extra credit hours is tough. Yeah. And, and I think you really nailed it when you said uh, the value proposition is maybe not there anymore. And I think uh, that responsibility really falls on the profession, AICPA and myself. Um, I'm a Canadian, so CPA Canada, like they have to evolve and lay out the value proposition and make it interesting for, you know, new members to to join and want to participate in this. And I don't think, I think one of the issues is that, you know, they haven't evolved yeah. and they're still kind of doing things the way it's been done for the last few decades. And, you know, the new generations, the millenni- millennials and the Gen Z, they're, they're looking for something a little bit different. They're looking for their training to maybe be a bit more different. They're looking for their careers to be different. And um, I think the value proposition is really not uh, what it used to be anymore. Yeah. So I think that might be part of the issue. Well, you don't really need the CPA to do a lot of what we do these days. Exactly. I'm a, a tech-oriented guy. Yep. And I, I think you can just see it in the fact that more firms are promoting people without it. Yep. So that, yep. to me, is an indicator that... That's a huge trend right now yeah. where you see these non-accountants joining these accounting firms and mm-hmm. providing different types of advisory services, whether it's tech consulting or whatever it might be. So, you know, that's a big trend when you look at some of these reports. Um, they're really saying that there's a, you know, a big push to hire non-accountants to firms. So that could be playing a, a role in yeah. this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the other challenge is that there do, you do need to have some of those tech skills to be really successful in a lot of these newer evolving technologies. And I think the university level academic side, you know, I've been to some of the conferences on the academic side as well. And I think that there is a very clear cut boundary between accounting in education and technology. Mm. And I think that accounting programs at the university level have to get on board with the tech side or or the whole profession starts to be a domino effect where they are siloing. And, you know, even in sessions yesterday where we were talking about blockchain, you know, we ask what does the education need to look like for an accountant going forward? And tech has to be a part of that because it may not be that you need to know how to know how to code something for a smart contract in blockchain and actually execute these contracts yourself. But right. as an auditor, you need to understand what a smart contract is and be able to ask your clients, hey, which parties are involved in this contract? What are the terms of the contract? Yep. And how is that information going to be saved? And you can pull it back down to audit it. And so those types of things need to be flowed back through into the university level so that people get exposure to them. And I mean, I don't think that's happening. Well, I love that you're talking about blockchain, but I mean, let's take it back a step. I mean, I I did my uh, uh, credits for my, to sit for the CPA exam not that long ago. No. Yeah. Uh, I I, I did it backwards. I I had my own small firm. Then I went to a big firm as a manager and I don't even think they realized that I wasn't licensed. (laughs) It wasn't important to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I got my CPA while I was a manager. Uh, and in my classes at UCLA, there, there was not a single technology element yeah. in any of the required Crazy. classes. We did everything on paper. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I can't believe you're doing it on papers. Uh, that was just recently, a couple yeah, of years ago, like, you know? uh, you know what, five years ago, yeah. five to 10 years ago was when I, I took those classes over the course of like five years. Yeah. So, th- so the, my recommendation then, okay. So obviously now you're listening to this podcast and you get this information directly from the people that know what you're going to need to know going forward in the next 10, 20, 30 years in your career. 
take these classes in college. They may not be in the accounting department. They may be in the computer science department, but you have elective credits and they're, you know, part of your 12 to 18 credit hours that are paid in the same block. Take some extra courses in that so that you can become a subject matter yeah. expert yeah. because there just aren't that yeah. many of them. If, I think that's a good suggestion because if it's not going to come from, uh, you know, CPA, the profession, um, you know, it's also your responsibility to kind of sense where things are trending and uh, those technology skills. Again, you don't have to be a coder, no. but you, you do have to be able to manage technology yeah. to a certain extent and uh, have a, you know, a, a general understanding of, uh, you know, AI, machine learning, blockchain, all these emerging technologies, um, because that's what's going to be doing a lot of the, um, you know, a, a lot of that compliance type work uh, and stuff like that. So I think yeah. that that's a very good suggestion. Just one more thing before we move on, uh, Ryan, would you mind telling us a little bit about your firm and, and the and specifically how you market online? Because I think that actually has something to do with the CPA license. You don't really yeah. advertise yeah. that you're a CPA firm, right? Yeah. No. So I started Zen Accounting in 2013. It was it's it's an online firm that basically focuses on automating processes and automating the accounting workflow for small businesses across Canada. You know, the idea was, you know, when I started the firm, uh, that kind of model was pretty new in Canada. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, accounting firms... You mean like having a good website? Exactly. <laughs> so like that was part of it was how do you kind of package your firm and make it a little bit more presentable online? Yeah. Um, and, you know, even the name Zen Accounting, like most firms at that point would not really have a different kind of name. It would be like your initials, for instance. Yeah. Right. You know, so like how do you brand yourself? How do you market yourself? And, you know, if you look at all the firms popping up now... They're all doing that. They have excellent branding, excellent websites. You know, they look very attractive. And I think that is actually trumping, you know, because before that kind of marketing was taking place, people would say, I want a CPA firm. I want a CPA to do my taxes. But now people are shopping for their accountants online through Google. Right. So they say, wow, this is a nice website, uh, you know, uh, and they fall into their, their, their marketing funnel. And, mm -hmm. you know, before they're not even asking about a CPA firm anymore, you know, so they don't, that's not really top of their list. They just kind of get, they buy into the, 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 the nice marketing and, um, you know, the CPA, the CPA title is not really what they're valuing anymore. From the client perspective. From the client yep. perspective. Yeah. Well, and the thing I've noticed, cause we work, I mean, we've worked with hundreds and hundreds of, of CPA candidates. And we've found that, especially when you're first starting your career, it may not be as important. It, you kind of are just getting your feet wet anyway. So a credential is hard to just prove your value because you do need some experience to prove that value. And we've noticed there are quite a few, especially candidates that we work with just based on our sub market, mm -hmm. are older candidates that have been out of school for quite a bit of time and it is the game changer for their career. And I genuinely believe at wholeheartedly, and I will tell anybody this, a CPA license will change your socioeconomic status. Like yes. It can take someone, yep. it will give them the American dream. It will take someone from, you know, a minimum wage bookkeeping job to something that you can really hang your yep. hat on forever. And you don't have to think of it in like, okay, this is a year of me kind of studying and, and kind of staying up late yep. to get this stuff done. I mean, you're going to have this credential well into after most people would retire, you could still be practicing. 
And so that's the part that I think because we're just a society that values in the now and quick gratification, mm-hmm. everything about that, um, if that, I wish that there was some way that we could build that value back into the license from the structural standpoint. And so it kind of gets into how do we structure it, right? Well, there. so I just learned at this conference that uh, the AICPA is going to be administering these dot cpa yeah. top level domain now oh hey so if you want that website yep. with you know dot cpa at the end you know oh that's neat that could be yeah, blake oliver cool. dot cpa it's a good move i have to be a licensed cpa member of the icpa so that's that's one step that's interesting yeah that's great um, and i think we're kind of all on the same page here where we do see value in the cpa title yeah we think it's i think it's a good thing to have but we all, but we, we, I think we also all want to see it evolve. And yeah. we want, we have we, our concerns. We, we have our concerns, yeah. exactly. Yeah. With, with the way that it's trajecting in the future, the trajectory, I guess, the trajectory yeah, of the license exactly. in the future. It. And it's, that's what's concerning, I think, especially in my yeah. demographic. Um, so, and I will say from my own experience, uh, having, you know, gotten licensed in the last few years, that it has made, even though I had my own firm, I have credibility, you know, I know what I'm doing. Yep. It has just having CPA at the end of my name has made a big difference in terms yeah. of credibility. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So, absolutely. As much as I am critical yep. of the designations or the license in some ways, I'm very much happy that I took the yeah. time and effort to I do agree. it. I agree. Yep. And, and how long did you allocate to that? How long did it take you as a working professional? Because we get that question all the time. Yeah, um, it was going to take a lot less time, but then my business took off. And Ryan, you know how that, how that can be. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, we have that, I think, in most cases. Yeah. So, um, well, I did at UCLA Extension, which okay. was great because they have a combination of online and in-person classes. Um, and it took about five years okay. to yep. do all the classes while so I was working. So in addition to getting the education side down yeah. and then studying for the exam. Okay. Yeah, I would say... Five years is a good amount to allocate. But, you know, my original plan was to do it sooner and not be working as much, was to do it in the classes and the exam in like two or three years. Yep. yep. And so just for reference, because I already know this, your background as an undergrad was not accounting. I was a music major. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you're was, a unique one cello? in our industry. Well, what, what was it? Cello. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yep. My grandfather left me an inheritance that paid for my college education. So I took that money and invested it very wisely in a <laughs> completely useless <laughs> major. Yes. Uh, Learn my lesson there. You know, right? hey, you, now you have a great skill set. I did set. political <laughs> science, so I had to completely oh, yeah. s- switch over as well. I'm sure that's very helpful in business development, in negotiation, yep, in, negotiations. in partner discussions. Very yeah. good. The very politics good. of partnership. There yeah. could be some usefulness there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's interesting. We, we're all not accounting undergrads. So I was a general business undergrad um, and did accounting as my master's degree. So Interesting. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Um, but I, I do think there's value in getting a solid skill. Yeah. I think anytime you can get a skill-based degree, you can market yourself to employers, which is helpful. <laughs> well, I said I was going to move on to another topic, okay. but yes. I, I, I'm enjoying this so much. Yeah. I want to state a potentially controversial opinion and Ooh, have you ready. tell Uh-oh. me what you think. So, you know, one obvious way to increase the value of the CPA license would be to expand the exclusivity of what CPAs can do from just signing audit uh, opinions Right yep. Yep. to other things. Yep. And some states do this, although they don't enforce it necessarily. Like in Texas, you can't call yourself, I'm pretty sure, fact yep. check me on this, yep. you can't call yourself an accountant unless Correct. you're a CPA. Correct. And that's been around for a long time. That's yeah. that's a very um, 
kind of an old fashioned way that the rules are written where you can't say you're an accountant. And they got a lot of put pushback. Um, and I believe it was from tax preparers um, and like the early H&R blocks. I'm not sure exactly which companies put these um, legislative ruling, you know, kind of yeah. fight the legislature about it so that they could actually say that they were these types of things in certain states. And yeah, I mean, I mean, doc, you can't be a doctor without having a medical yeah. license. You yeah. can't practice law without having a law degree and having passed the bar. So why can you be an accountant yeah. and not have some sort of license? Yep. I mean, yeah. what do you guys think of that? What do you think of that, Ryan? That is, is a, it the same in Canada. You can call yourself an accountant, even if you're yeah, not a CPA. Yeah, You can call yourself an accountant in Canada without a CPA. Um, you know, I think you have a good point. I haven't thought about that before. Um, I mean, yeah. it's the hardball way to create value. Right? It is. It's yeah. the hardball way. Well, but I think you're touching on something that is very important because right now signing an audit report is not the most um, appealing thing that you can do. Yeah. I think that there's enough um, pushback on the accounting industry and just the hours and the work-life balance that that might not have the allure that it might once have had when people were valuing stability for their careers. And so an accounting firm offered that stability and they wanted to make a great living and provide for their families. Where now I don't, I mean, personally, that's not necessarily my primary focus. I much more am interested in helping people and trying to build something that I'm proud of. And so when people go into a profession and they don't really see that they're adding value and, and helping people, then it's a little bit harder to, mm -hmm. you know, so maybe we do need to add some other specific things that only CPAs can do. And then the question is, what would those things be? Food for thought. We'll have yeah. to yeah. get back so, together and I'll find out what you think. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's move on to some news, right? Yeah. Some, yep. some news broke while we were here at, at Engage is H&R Block has acquired Wave Accounting. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. So are you two, how familiar are you two with Wave? Yeah, so Wave, I've used Wave before, um, personally. So Canadian company, so uh, based out of Toronto, so quite familiar and visited their offices uh, many years back and have a few relationships with people on the team there. So yeah, um, for our listeners who aren't familiar, yeah. what, what is Wave? Wave is a, is a free cloud accounting software for small businesses, basically. Yeah. Okay. It's a great entry level one for folks that have... Um, they have a passion project that they don't really know anything about accounting and they can get going. It's, they can get an app on their phone and get rolling with some sort of record keeping. I, I think what's amazing is that it's free. Absolutely. You, know, you can use no it, monthly fees. There's no monthly fees. And they got acquired for half a million, uh, sorry, half a billion dollars. Wow. Yep. And um, I, I think out of 80 million in original investments, so they didn't do bad. Yeah, it's no, pretty good. They did pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And, and it's a pretty app. Like they did a nice job with the development of it. I think it's very user friendly. So wait, was their business model the whole time just to get acquired? Like how did they make money? Well, they made money. They had ads actually in the platform. Got they it. also had payment revenues, um, you know, so, you know, you could do your invoicing from there and they'd collect their 2.9% or whatever it is. Got it. Uh, I think there might've been an another one or two revenue streams. I think they dabbled with some offering some bookkeeping services directly through the platform, kind of like a QuickBooks live style thing, I think. Yeah. Um, but, um, they have a lot of users. They have a lot of users. Millions. Well, cause it's free, right? So they yeah. have a lot of those freelancers, yep. small businesses. Yep. So which is H and R blocks. Bread and butter, exactly. Right? Yeah, so I can see the the pairing is beautiful. Yeah. I think that that's a great inlet into that marriage between an accounting software and a tax preparation. I was particularly interested to hear about this because um, when I was working with Zero as an ambassador, 
I think that was when the whole H&R Block partnership developed it with zero. Yep. But then it never seemed to go anywhere. Yeah. So now H&R Block is taking that concept. Obviously, they're still working on it, bringing it in-house. Yep. And Wave has a, a, a bookkeeping offering, right? They, they will do bookkeeping for their customers? Um, I think they're pairing you up with different bookkeepers that are on their platform. Okay. So they're not actually doing offering bookkeeping services. In, they don't have a bookkeeping team. But they have a network of bookkeepers. So this is like QuickBooks Live. That, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was that's saying. That's what it looks like to me on the yeah. surface. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that like how H&R, I don't know exactly what H&R Block's plans are for this. Like, are they going to be offering bookkeeping services? How are they going to leverage this? But clearly, you know, the space is getting a lot more competitive. Yeah. I could imagine that pricing will be on the low end of things. Uh, so there's definitely some uh, pressure on price uh, that we're going to be seeing on the bookkeeping end. Yeah, well, and just from the perspective of the clients of this Wave accounting software, I mean, accounting's the last thing on their mind. They really just wish that a magic fairy would come and wave a magic wand and they didn't have to deal with it. So if they could have an all-inclusive through the tax preparation process, because I think, you know, when I speak with people just out in the world, not in the accounting space, it's taxes are still scary. And I don't mm -hmm. know why they're so scary for people, but they are. And I, I think that if they can simplify that process, and I think that it was a smart acquisition on that side of it. I'm a CPA and maybe I'm just not a very good CPA, but I get anxious about yeah. my taxes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never can figure out if I have, uh, you know, I'm not a tax guy, so yeah, I can never, fair. I never know if I've done enough withholding or anything, but true. you know, I should, I should be able to figure this out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I just withhold extra and yeah. I'm always in a good place. <laughs> but that's a free loan to the government. I know. It's you know? true. It's true. That's, yeah, that's true. To be accurate on it, it's tough. Um, so we mentioned QuickBooks Live. Yep. And what's interesting about QuickBooks Live is uh, the original 10 bookkeepers are in the yep. Boise, Idaho T-Sheets office. Right? Oh, okay. But... The 500 that they are planning on hiring. Did you know it was going to be that many? I had no idea. No. Not until no. I heard it from you. And I, I genuinely think that's amazing. I mean, that's such a huge opportunity for a large subset of the population yep. that has a challenge finding brick and mortar work given their life circumstances. Mm -hmm. So, well, so the, the 500 are coming, I think, mostly from TurboTax. And TurboTax Live, people all work remotely. Okay. Right? So... Uh, and, and Rich Priest, who runs QuickBooks Live, has been on a couple of podcasts talking about how that's actually where they're hoping to recruit from the most is uh, folks who want to work at home part time. He, he mentioned like moms, yep. right, who, yep. uh, you know, are staying home with the kids and, you know, want to uh, have some extra income uh, if you're disabled, maybe working at home. Uh, but, you know, for most people, it won't be like a full time gig. Yep. So, cool. Megan, I know that you yep. travel a lot because... Your husband's in the military. Correct. Yep. So currently, where are you located? So we're currently in Hawaii um, at Joint Base um, Hickam, um, Pearl Harbor. So, yeah, it's definitely um, anything that has anything to do with remote work piques my interest because it's such a game changer for military spouses. And there's such a large gap between education level and employment. And most military spouses, the statistics of underemployment and unemployment are substantially more than the general population, just based on the fact that we move all the time. And 
even in skill-based careers, such as the CPA, nursing, some of the others that are popular for military spouses teaching, mm -hmm. you have to get licenses in all of the jurisdictions that you move to fairly quickly after moving. And obviously, moves are one of the most stressful things that a person can go through. So throw that on top of a career change. Remote work looks great because you then don't have to find employment when you hit ground you know, and get a new house and all that, all these things, get your kids into school, all of that has to happen all at the same time. If you can have some stability with your career, it's huge. And, it, and just having it on your resume consistently is oh, also... Right. Yeah, you're not changing jobs. You're not changing every jobs. Few because I think um, military spouses have the tendency, when you look at a military spouse resume, you can tell they're a military spouse without even interviewing them because of the number of job changes and the consistency every three years. And the locations too. And oh, the locations are very... Base, there's a base. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and it's tough. Yeah. You, and I think that it's been even internal struggle. Do you tell someone when you're in an interview that you're a military spouse? And I had to make the conscious decision that, yes, I probably would tell my employer because I want them to know kind of the things that are in my life and the, the stressors and the times that I'd need off that other people might not need that are important. And I think that military spouses um, do try to hide that because they don't want to be excluded from employment that they would be great for because they're going to be leaving in a couple of years. So, well, chalk, chalk this one up in the positive column yes. for yep. QuickBooks Live. Yes. I know we've yep. been kind of down on it. But yeah. 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 yeah no, I think it's, there's a perfect marriage for military spouses because QuickBooks Live, um, you could actually get QuickBooks training for three, free through QuickBooks. So you can go to one of their online trainings and work through that process, learn some accounting along the way and get certified as a QuickBooks Pro Advisor um, very inexpensively. Uh, you know, maybe you don't have the laptop right now, but you might be able to get the um, resources you need in terms of technology. But um, yeah, you can get going on it. And I think that that's a perfect solution for some of these folks that do want part-time employment, have kids, have deployments and TDYs that they're dealing with so that they can't be at an office and have that flexibility of working from home. So yeah, it's, I think there is, there is something to be said for that. I hope that they target that market as an employment hub. So cool. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a fan of what they're doing. I think, um, I think it's a, it's an interesting move. It's a risky move for them. Do you perceive it as being competitive against, you know, cause you, you were one of the original fixed fee online accounting people. Yep. Is that, yep. do you see QuickBooks Live competing with you at all? Um, you know what? I think they're going to be compete. I think we're a little bit more upstream. Uh, so I think it, it's going to come down to that. I think what they're really focusing on is when people need on demand help to a certain extent, um, you know, and they're really, and there's a whole market of, uh, that, of like bookkeepers and accountants that only want to maybe work part time or on demand or want a very flexible arrangement. You know what I mean? So I think they're pairing, uh, they're pairing, uh, people up with, I think it's a different market. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where it plays out. Um, but again, it just goes to show, um, that the bookkeeping space is getting exceptionally competitive. Uh, so whether it's QuickBooks Live or H&R Block or, you know, uh, any of these other tech startups that are coming in offering bookkeeping services at a pretty, pretty unbelievable price. You know, um, if you're just offering bookkeeping services, it's going to be a pretty tough market to compete in. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think since you've been a firm owner for a bookkeeping firm before, the amount of stress just being an owner 
adds to the equation. I think that there is something to be said for just the ease of being able to log on and work your hours and get your paycheck. Yeah, so, yep. absolutely. Yeah, so yep. there's, I can see that being a benefit of it too. So before we go, I want to hear a little bit about what each of you are up to. And Ryan, I, uh, I get to follow your goings on because you are blogging a lot these days. Uh, your blog is at futurefirm.co. You've got a newsletter that you send out. Um, I really liked your recent post on uh, three reasons why EY's free software release is super smart. I thought that was that was neat. I I don't I didn't see anyone in the you know, traditional press pick that story up. How did you f- hear about that? And and tell us a little bit about why you think that's a big deal. So part of my new project, Future Firm, is about helping educate. Uh, bookkeeping, accounting, and CPA firm, firm owners to modernize and adopt technology in a newer kind of modern business model and, you know, play around with remote work opportunities and digital marketing and all that kind of stuff that makes up a, a modern firm in 2019. So, um, you know, I have to kind of keep my ear to some of the trends and what's happening in the space and provide valuable content to my audience. And, um, you know, I saw, I'm very, into the whole cryptocurrency and blockchain space. I follow it on a daily basis. Do you have clients that are in that space? Is that yeah. why? Yeah, well, not just that. I mean, when I started uh, Zen Accounting in 2013, uh, because it was an, a fully online firm and you know, leveraged a lot of cloud software and you know, generally met clients on Skype, the type of business owners that wanted to deal uh, with myself and the firm were generally in the tech space. And that's how I kind of learned about blockchain and Bitcoin very early on. And the more I learned about it, the more interesting I thought it was. And I saw a lot of parallels to the the, the world of accounting. Uh, we don't need to get into that here, but... Uh, Another episode. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Yeah, we have more but, to talk about. <laughs> you know, I, I forget where I saw this. Um, you, know, I, you know, I follow Coindesk, uh, a popular cryptocurrency okay. blog uh, publication. And um, I saw uh, EY. And uh, I saw that, uh, you know, they released, uh, you know, millions of dollars of code for free, open source to the public uh, with no restrictions, no licenses, no nothing. I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. Now, why would they do that? Uh, And it kind of got me thinking. And the more I thought about it, I was like, wow, that's a really smart move in this day and age. Because first off, they're clearly, you know, looking to target uh, the cryptocurrency or blockchain uh, you know, looking to target some of these businesses as clients. And uh, these type of businesses, you know, people that are in Bitcoin are very big on open source code. You know, Bitcoin was born out of open source code. So, um, you know, that whole community is into that kind of thing. So they immediately connect with their market. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, it's great advertising because you get all these blogs writing about it. You get all these message boards talking about EY and how they're, you know, helping the community. So, um, you know, great press there. And I think it also helps, um, you know, when you op- open source code, um, you get everybody able to participate it on, on it as well. So they release the code onto the market and then they have all these other people, developers from around the world, participating in the code, improving it. And that makes it more valuable because they're using this code to help their clients with certain advisory services. So oh, there's a few yeah, reasons why sense. I think it's a very smart move. Yeah. Um, well, so, it, it fits in with the whole content marketing idea. Of, yeah. Let's give away our knowledge. Yep. And it, it demonstrates our expertise yep. and brings people to the firm. So it's, it's this whole hoarding of information. 
yep. concept is old. Yes, and absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Inbound marketing at its finest in a very practical application. Yep. So if you're interested in following more of what Ryan's up to, what's that uh, URL, Ryan? Um, so every week I send off a weekly email that kind of outlines uh, the top five pieces of information that firm owners should know about to stay current and keep their firm in the future. Uh, and I curate um, each of those. Uh, I send off five links. I make it a very brief email because I know firm owners are very busy. And I just write one or two sentence curating the article. Um, and uh, you can sign up at uh, newsletter.futurefirm.co. Right. So, Megan, yeah. what are you up to these days? You, you, are, you mentioned earlier you're the director of operations yep, at yep. Jaeger CPA yep. Review. Chief operating officer. Chief at, operating yep, officer. Yep. And, and full, everyone works remotely. We all work remotely. It's a 100% remote firm um, or, I guess, review school in this case. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we have a small but mighty team to help develop the content so that people can pass this exam. And the thing that I'm most excited about is that we recently put together an instructor hotline that is Uberized, in my opinion. And so you can actually, within two hours of wanting to have a booking with one of these um, instructors, professors of accounting, we have um, a scalable team. So as we start to grow with the demand of requests from students, we can actually scale it so that we can pair CPA candidates with actual one-on-one assistance mm. when they need it most, obviously. T studying for the exam, the last thing you want to do is wait around to have your question answered. You kind of need to get it answered and move on. And so we realized that the biggest problem when you're studying for the exam is that lack of support. And um, Jaeger CPA Review, Phil Jaeger has been in this industry for 40 plus years. And that's always been the thing that people care most about when he works with them. He gives them his cell phone number. You know, he, you can reach him seven days a week into the evenings. He'll always pick up the phone if he's available to pick up the phone. And so we wanted to figure out how do we scale that going into the future for CPA candidates. And so Instructor Hotline is the way that, that we're going to help make that happen. And so I'm pretty excited about it. We've had a few people take us up on it so far. Yeah. And the exam scores just got released. There was a round of them yesterday. Um, and we had some good results with people that had previously been struggling getting through the exam. So I'm pretty excited. Um, typically, folks that um, do not pass, I consider failed exams just practice exams. <laughs> so um, you've had a few practice exams under your belt. And those folks, there's a tendency for them to drop out at a certain point. And so if we want to build this profession, we need to get those folks that would have otherwise dropped out to stay in. And so our role at Jaeger is to be that safety net, catch those people before they drop out and Hopefully we'll be able to do that here. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, so I'm cool. excited about it. So if people want to follow you online, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, personally, if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, um, Megan Lefchik, I'm going to spell it. It's hard, L-E-W-C-Z-Y-K. And I'm probably the only one on there because it's a challenging <laughs> last name. But um, but also, if you'd like to learn more about Jaeger CPA Review and um, our products and services, we have a subscription pricing model so you can cancel any time, which is new. That was neat. I yeah. think you guys are innovating in that regard. We are, yeah. Well, right. and I think it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like an old-fashioned method to charge someone thousands of dollars for a product up front, then you don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah. And so it just makes a lot of sense to have a model that's more of a membership-style subscription pricing so that you can cancel if you decide, for instance, when you were taking the exam and you mm -hmm. wanted to take time off, work on your business, 
I mean, you should be able to that's, stop. You know, I have to say, though, that's part of the reason I finished is because I had those books sitting uh, there <laughs> that I paid for. True. There is that. There is that. Good incentive. That is true. Yeah, we do. We do recommend you set a deadline for yourself because yeah. you can procrastinate on that particular topic. So <laughs> how about you, Ryan? Where can people uh, follow you uh, on social media? Uh, uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, just search me up. Uh, I'm probably also the only Ryan Lazanis there. So last name Lazanis, L-A-Z-A-N-I-S or at Ryan Lazanis on uh, Twitter. And as always, I am Blake Oliver and you can follow me at Blake T. Oliver on Twitter. Thank you both so much for joining me here. This is awesome. This is great. This is great. All We're right. glad we ran into you this yeah. morning. Hope to see you Thanks again soon. Oh, and we'll see you at uh, Ryan. I'll at see Zero you at ZeroCon. Yeah, we'll be at ZeroCon. And Megan, you going to any other conferences this Not year? Not this year, but if there's anyone that's headed out to Honolulu and anything in the Honolulu area, just look me up on LinkedIn and let me know. Sounds good. We'll do. Now I've got an excuse. 